This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode number 84, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. A little bit of news for you guys right off the bat. We have a new background for us right now because we're using a new streaming site. We're, we're making the switch over to StreamYard, so our video content will be a little bit more high class and high tech. And we might start doing some live shows, so keep an eye out for that. But for right now, we're still doing the old uh, offline recording. But my name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. It's, uh, I got to get used to this new StreamYard thing, man. I know I've used it a couple times on the After Hours, but I'm not ever going to get used to the camera being flipped on me. <laughs> it being reversed is awful, I think. Yeah, it's terrible. I hate it. But I'll get used to it. I mean, hey, you're going to get used to it eventually. Yeah, but I'll get used to it. Uh, other than that, StreamYard, it looks gorgeous. This should be fun. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to up our game on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Follow us at Iceberg Podcast. And also, like us on Facebook at the tip of the iceberg podcast, but we have a pretty good show for you guys today. No guests as it's been a couple straight weeks of interviews. Unfortunately, we don't have an interview for you this week, but we should have a couple lined up coming in the weeks to come. So stay tuned for that. But on this episode, we're going to do a deep dive on Jake Gensel to start it off with a nice long conversation on our opinions of Jake Gensel and where we think he's going to go starting next season. And of course we have some pens news. We have some, prospect news for the Pittsburgh Penguins as we talked prospects last week but also the Penguins filled that assistant GM role we'll talk about that we have a kind of lowly mailbag segment but other than that we will also finish off with the pens poll in the shout outs and call outs Horror, are you ready for this episode uh yes and no I don't have a ton of notes for today but I'm ready to discuss and talk and sh- not shoot from the hip per se but uh I'm ready for this Well, like I said, we're going to start off with Jake Gensel. If you follow us on those social media sites that I mentioned a little while ago, you will notice or you will have noticed that about a week ago, we had a Jake Gensel Appreciation Week. So I figured, why not get into it on the show, get a deep dive on the guy that is Jake Gensel and his career so far, and what we expect from him next season. I know we've said a little bit, and we've set our expectations a little bit for him on, on previous episodes. Go back and listen to that. But what we're going to do here is really take a deep dive and take time to talk about Jake Gensel and what we actually think of the kid who is probably the best player not named of Guinea Malkin or Sidney Crosby on the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's definitely the best kid on the team, although he's, what, 26 now? Man's 25. 25? Man's still getting old. <laughs> so, yeah, he's probably one of the top forwards. Going forward, he's going to be the guy that we all look to as the leader. Excuse me. Uh, you would assume. So, you know, and he's learning under learning under uh, a great duo with Crosby and Malkin. He's obviously still has a lot to learn at being, only being 25, but uh, going forward, we know he's going to be one of the top players on the team, probably in the league. That's just a matter of seeing how the rest of the league plays out, but so far his name should be in there um, for a couple different conversations. It's He's not world-changing talent. Per se, he's not Connor McDavid talent where it's he's going to be in the MVP talk year after year. He's not going to be in 
you know, maybe in a Rocket Richard conversation once or twice as his career progresses, but that's just thinking highly. And for now, however, he's got room to grow. He's got room to learn. And on this team right now, he's one of the best. Yeah, before we keep getting into him, let, let's take a look at his career so far. I mean, his very first game, he scores two goals. But I mean, also from his very first game, there were high expectations from the coaching staff and from the organization. I mean, do you remember what line he was on to start I, his first NHL game? Uh, I wouldn't, except for the fact that I ironically watched his first game. Uh, the the highlights from his first game when he scored the two goals because I was showing Megan the his family react. Uh, he was playing with Malkin and Kessel. Yep. So, Talk uh, about a start to your career there. Yeah, and he beat... It was against the New York Rangers, and he beat not Henrik Lundqvist, but Antti Ranta twice. Mm -hmm. But I, that was the year Ranta was no was no scrub, though. That was his good season. That was the year they got him a contract in yep. Arizona. That now he's he's not playing horribly, but if he could stay healthy, they would probably appreciate it down there in the desert. I'm yeah. sure Corey and Richie would as well. But before we continue here, I'm just gonna read down his stat line because he has played parts of four seasons with the Pittsburgh Penguins now. First year, as we mentioned, comes up, gets immediately placed on the second line with Malkin and Kessel scores those two goals. But in just 40 games in that rookie season, the kid scores 16 goals and 33 points. That's a pretty good start coming in in the middle of the season and establishing yourself on a top line. And then, of course, follows that up with a pretty good season. 82 games played in 2017-18. He had 22 goals and 48 points. So again, raising the bar a little bit in his first full season. After that, of course, he had the 2018-19. That really was his breakout. Gets a 40-goal season along the side of Sidney Crosby on his wing. 40 goals, 76 points. And from there is really when we started to see him as possibly being a perennial top talent in this league and not just a guy who had a good playoffs and played pretty decently. And then, of course, last season, he continued that trend for the first 39 games of the season, scored 20 goals last year and 43 total points before, of course, that shoulder injury and having to have shoulder surgery and finishes with 43 points. He was leading the team in points when he had that injury. And then, of course, we, we look at his possession metrics, and they've all been pretty steady as well. His course, he has been above 50% every single season. And if you look at it last year before his injury, he was at 55.8. So that's bordering on elite level possession metrics. So this kid has played very well to start off his career. And yeah, there's a lot to go and there's a lot to learn about Jake Gensel. But so far, the stats speak for themselves. And I think what we're going to get into now is the kind of the eye test and what we see from him. The kid is a superstar in this league, and it's just weird because he's not going to really get that credit when he's playing alongside either Crosby or Malkin. So, Horwat, when I say those stats, what does it make you think of? It makes me think of how good his future should be, honestly. That's not too much more than that. One thing you really, I was, you were reading off those stats from his first few years. One thing you didn't mention uh, was what put him on the map, and that was the 2016-17 playoffs, specifically his... Um, playoff leading 13 goals on the way to the second of back-to-back uh, -back championships for the Penguins. And those 21 points, I mean, we saw, like, that's what put him on the map. He led the playoffs in goal scoring and also in 25 games. The next season in the playoffs, not only did he have 21 points again, he did it in 12 games. We were, we were knocked out in the second round to the Capitals 
but Crosby and Malkin or Crosby and Gensel for quite a long time in those playoffs were still leading the still lead up there among the playoff leaders and points. So it's we know he's got pro, uh, playoff production under him. You say those you say more of those stats and I think of how good of a future that could lead to. Uh, his contract also for what for how he plays and what how he's looked at on this team is phenomenal. I don't have I don't I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's not super expensive and it's you know we we're we're playing a lot of short contract games right now, so that's okay. He'll probably sign. I mean I don't think we want him going anywhere anytime soon. The way I think of it is, I would hope management sees him, quite honestly, as the future of the main part of the future of this organization, in the days of post Crosby and Malkin. Yeah, and his contract, as you mentioned there, is, he has four years remaining on it at $6 million a year. So when you're averaging or at least progressing and making it look like if he would have played a full season last year, he would have had over 80 points. Yeah. So $6 million for an 80-point player that has been a 40-goal scorer and that probably would have been a 40-goal scorer last year if he would have remained healthy, that's a really good contract. And that's one that we have to give Jim Rutherford credit for getting him signed to that low of a number. Now, you mentioned his playoff success and all of the things that he did, and you, you mentioned the stat lines, and I posted that picture and that video of the Nashville goal in Game 1 of the 2017 final, how big of a goal that was in just a beautiful snipe by Jake Gensel. So the question is, does his playoff success kind of skew the opinion of his overall value? Does the amount of success he had in the playoffs really make it seem like his regular season stats aren't as impressive, even though we just said them and we know that they are, is it a little overshadowed because of the way he played in the playoffs? No, I don't think so. If anything, if, if, if anything, that's a guy you look at as not only can he play good to great in the playoff or in the regular season, we know he's going to play above that in the postseason where it matters. Yes. The regular season does matter as well. You got to make it to the playoffs, but once you're there and you know, once you're there, you can put more of a emphasis on him. You're able to really let him go because it's a different, it's a different game. We know that, uh, and he thrives under game pressure. It seems. Uh, do we know how many game-winning goals he has? I haven't. I have to find it on here. Game-winning goals. Are you looking for regular season? Regular season. Regular season. He's got post-season. nine career. Uh, postseason, it is seven, and five of those His... came in. Five of those came in that uh, 2017 run, uh, and then he got two the next season and hasn't had one since. But that's still something. I mean, because you got to figure since those two seasons, the Penguins have played eight playoff games. Yeah, four playoff games, four play-in games. So give the give the kid credit. Apparently, he's a shooter in big situations. Knows how to score and knows how to be a top top player uh going forward it's we just got to continue to make the playoffs people are going to keep counting us out as long as Crosby and Malkin and now you can add Gensel into this list as long as those two those two that hit that third one and then maybe just him we're we're, we should be a contender for a long time still at least to make the playoffs I'm not saying tank anytime soon but he's going to be a guy you got to build a team around assuming there is no drop off. 
Yeah, I mean, the big thing with it is how is he going to respond from this shoulder surgery? He had a goal mm-hmm. and two assists in four games in the play-in series that you mentioned against Montreal. He didn't play bad by any means, but he didn't really stand out as much as he did. But then, I don't know what I'm even saying here because nobody stood out at all against exactly. the Montreal Canadiens. But to me, his playoff success, it does kind of skew the opinion of his overall value a little bit. I feel like everybody sees how he plays in the playoffs and they automatically just label him, oh, he's a playoff type player, and then he'll be okay in the regular season. The kid scored 40 goals. That's impressive in this league, no matter who you're playing with. He scored 40 goals. He was on pace for 40 goals last year. And let's not forget that that was without Sidney Crosby for an extended period of time as well. And, And we'll get into all of that, of course, but... I feel like his regular season track record kind of speaks for himself as well. I think you get that 40 points. You get that season of 70 points. Last year, he had 43 in, I believe it was 40 games. So he was over a point per game last year. That is an impressive stat line for an NHL player. And yeah, it's going to take some time for him to really get back into it after a shoulder surgery. But you play those four games. It doesn't go great for the entire team as a whole. And then you have this time off. So hopefully when he returns for the start of next season, he's raring to go like he was at the beginning of last season. Now, the next question that we have to ask is, is he a top 10 left wing in the NHL right now? Now, we know that he can play left wing and right wing, but he primarily plays left wing on the first line with Sidney Crosby. Do I think he's top 10? In my opinion, before I ask yours, I think he is. I think you look at the left wings in this league and you have Alex Ovechkin, who is clearly the number one. You have Brad Marchand, Leon Dreisaitl, Artemi Panarin, Gabe Landeskog. That's your top five. Whichever way you want to split it, I think Ovi's first. After that, he's in the mix to me. After that, he sincerely, to me, could be number six. And if he's not number six, he's definitely in the top ten. Horowat, what are your thoughts on that? Where I hamper myself is I, off the top of my head, couldn't name left-wingers from right-wingers because... Mm -hmm. It's there. It's a little broad, so I kind of just group them all into forwards, defensemen, uh, and then there are obvious centers. Wingers are a little more difficult for me to track because I'm never really paying the closest attention to that. Um, in fact, I think I ask you all the time, oh, well, what side of the wing does so-and-so play on? Because honestly, I'm not pinning a left or a right wing to a lot of players because you mentioned a lot of them can play both sides. Mm-hmm. But with the names you mentioned... Um, I'll say he's better than Landeskog, and Landeskog's a great player. It's hard it's, it's hard to put because um, Landeskog is the captain over there and is yeah. playing with two more of the better players in the league on the same line. While, yes, Gensel is usually playing with Crosby or Malkin, still, I'm going to give Gensel his due and say he's he has a slight edge on Landeskog, which, by your metrics, makes... Uh, Gensel a definite top 10 and I have to agree I just don't I just couldn't rank him because I don't know left wingers off the top of my head in fact I think for a long time I thought Ovechkin was a right winger so there's that but knowing Ovechkin's a left winger and he's following in that vein yeah uh, Jake Gensel to me is definitely a top 10 I just don't know where exactly in the top 10 he stands Um, if I saw a list of if you were to shoot a list of left wingers on me I would I'd start picking through there but I don't have to do that. I can say, yeah, he's at least top 10 because that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> I don't need to place him. I just need to say he's in at top 10. And it's a lot easier to say when he's not coming off of the season that he just did. Yeah, he did just miss a season or at least half a season with the shoulder surgery after a very gruesome injury. And it's 
It's going to be a while for us to be able to watch a game where he gets hit into the boards and we don't just cringe at the sight of his shoulder smacking into the boards. But, I mean, we've talked a little bit about where he projects as far as league-wide, but a lot of the talk league-wide, when you talk to people that aren't from the Pittsburgh market or, or not from a market that watches Pittsburgh Penguins hockey as much, like some of the Western markets, some of, maybe even some of the Atlantic division markets, they understand who Jake Gensel is because of the Stanley Cup. But in the regular season, they don't really see him as that top 10 left wing in the NHL. Mainly because a lot of people I've heard say he's a product of who he's playing with. He's either playing with Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. So do you think he's a product of those centers? Or do you think that he himself is that guy? That's such a hard question because the point is to put your best players with your best players. That is the point. So you're going to become products of your line mates is doom it's brian doomlin as good as he can be if he's not playing with chris letang we don't really know we haven't seen it doomlin's usually the one that's hurt you take doomlin away from letang letang is still very good you take letang away from doomlin doomlin is probably still very good so they are a product of each other almost while when it comes to forwards you got two line mates Dominic Simone used to be on the other side of that with Crosby. It's hard to say who is a product of who. I mean, we have a definite history of that. You could have argued for a long time, was Yager just a product of Mario? Obviously not. We saw what he could do by himself. He's the second leading goal scorer and point getter in the, the league. I don't think Gensel was too much a product of his centers because he can play by himself. And once he starts getting national recognition for playing on Team USA, and if that ever happens, I think that'll really prove it because he'll be with new guys. He'll be with new people. And if he can rip there, that should that should solidify it. For now, is he a product? Yes and no because kind of everyone's a product of each other. But Gensel has an edge of, I believe, at least still being a very, very good player, even without Crosby. So he plays with Malkin that even without Malkin, it's still possible. I think the big thing you said there is, well, yeah, if, if he makes, you know, the Olympic roster in 2022, or is that when it is 2022? Yeah. Totally if he makes that Team USA, then maybe he'll get the national recognition. Here's the thing. A player with the stat line that he has should be on that team. I get that Team USA is a lot better now than it was whenever they last allowed... NHL players to go to the Olympics. What was it? 2016 or 2014, whenever it was in Sochi. But that's the thing. Jake Gensel should be on team USA. This shouldn't be an argument, but it is because everybody looks and says, well, Sidney Crosby's the best player of his generation, which he's playing with him. Okay. If not, he's playing with Evgeny Malkin, who is an NHL top 100 player, Get him. not according to the NHL, but according to, you know, most people with eyes and that have watched hockey before. But here's the thing. Jake Gensel is not a product of his centers. Yeah, he excels with his centers, and he excels with both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, which is something that not everybody can do. Not everybody can play with both of those players. Yeah, it makes the game a little bit easier, but also it can make the game harder in some aspects to play with the top players in the league. You ask some players that have played with the Capitals, it's not easy playing with Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he's one of the greatest players of all time, but there's an expectation that you're in certain places at certain times and you have to be really good and doing what those players want you to do. So 
I think the fact that Gensel can excel with both of those players is impressive, but also the fact that there's a difference between him and normal line mates for these guys. These guys have been in the league for 15 years now. Yeah. Something like Gensel that. does something that... Sorry, what were you going to say? Just something like that, yeah. Yeah, 15 seasons. Gensel does something that a lot of those line mates haven't done. Whether it's Connor Sherry, whether it's Chris Kunitz, whether it's Pascal Dupuis, whether it's Dom Simone. Jake Gensel drives play. Jake Gensel feeds it as good as he finishes it. And that's why him and Crosby work so well. That's why him and Malkin work so well. That's why him and whoever his center will be will work so well. And I'm excited to see what Gensel's playmaking ability can do for a guy and a player like Kasperi Kapanen on that line. So it's not just Crosby that's going to be feeding Kapanen. It's Gensel that's going to be feeding Kapanen too. And yeah, it might just sound a little bit biased because I've watched this kid for the past four years, but he is genuinely impressive. We posted all those videos a couple weeks ago. If you haven't seen them, like I said at the top of the show, go follow us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook. Go back and look at all those those highlights that we posted. Some of the OT goals he scored. Some of the playoff goals he scored. His performance against the Flyers in 2018 to put him away. Five-point game. One assist, four goals. I mean, this kid has that something special to be a superstar in this league. And it is not because of his centers. It is helped a little bit by playing with two world-class centers. But that is not the only reason that Jake Gensel is a superstar in this league. So before we close the book on Jake Gensel, let's specifically look at next season. What is Jake Gensel's ceiling for next year? Very high, I would assume. You know he's, you know everyone's upset about that play-in round loss. You know they all want to come back different. And it's a new team, basically. You know We know it's not a lot of the same guys. Uh, a lot of the core kind of got stripped down a little bit with Hornquist leaving. It's going to be a new load on Gensel's shoulders almost. And that, re, that, re, that reconstructed shoulder, if you will. It's he's gonna have to prove that he's able to carry it through that, you know, not carry the team to per se, but add on to his load and hit an extra level that we know he has because he's starting to hit his prime years. He's you said he's 25, mm-hmm. 25, 26, 27. You're gonna start your hit your prime years. If Crosby didn't have his concussions around those times, I mean, those were his years, so it's just time for Gensel to hit his stride become as we were mentioning a top 10 left winger in this league and prove that he's not just a product of his centers now is the time to do it this season's gonna be the first year of it whenever Mm -hmm. it may start however many games it may be it's gonna be hard to start predicting i know i had the bold prediction last season of saying he was gonna be a 50 goal scorer i'm not gonna say that this year because we might not get as much as many games as he might need for that but I believe he could probably be in the top one, two, or three of goal scoring on the Penguins. And if and if the Penguins are a good enough team, and if Jake Gensel's able to hit his stride, you could see him in the top ten, five, maybe even, of uh, goal scoring around the league. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I can see him realistically reaching that 40-goal mark again. 50 it might be a spread. It might be a stretch. Oh, this season for sure that'll be a stretch it'll be a stretch for anyone yeah but at the same time if it's a regular full season i think he's gonna pace for if it was a regular season the over under for him would be 80 points 
that would be that would be yeah. his over under. He was on pace to do over a point a game last year, which would have put him over eighty points. Yeah, forty. So, he had forty three and thirty nine. I know you saw you brought it up, and he didn't even break forty yeah. games. So, yeah. So, the the thing is with him, is he going to be able to be a point per game player in this league going forward? I truly believe should it should be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it. I think it's it's pretty much a given at this point to me that he's going to start doing that for these couple of years, as you mentioned, his prime years, 25 mm-hmm. through 30, he's going to be hitting a point per game. Now what happens when Crosby has gone? That's a different story. I think he'll still be able to produce who knows how well he'll be able to produce because he's going to need somebody. That's not a fourth line center to play with, but somebody that is competent. Yeah. And I think he will still be able to elevate the game of others as he has, I feel like he elevates Crosby's game. Yeah, especially in Crosby's latter years. Mm-hmm. It's good to have someone like that, not just for consistency basis, because Crosby has always wanted at least one guy that he that's always kind of stapled to him. Mm-hmm. We've seen Crosby get upset whenever Dupuis left and Kunitz was getting pushed around a little bit. We saw how upset Crosby could get when he just has a revolving door of wingers on either side. So, it uh, it it should be interesting, and like you mentioned, it should help Crosby with the latter stages of his career to make to keep him maintaining as one of the top players in the league. So before we move on, let's let's do a quick prediction. I said the over under would be eighty points for an eighty two game season. Over under that eighty mark. Do you go over or under? So basically, is he going to be a point-per-game player next season? I believe so. I absolutely believe so. Yeah, I completely agree. So I, I think that's that's one thing that we're on complete agreement with. And we do have a lot to go on episode 84 of the tip of the iceberg. We're going to take a quick 30-second break here talking about Manscaped and a network advertisement. But right after that, we'll be back with some news for the Pittsburgh Penguins. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode number 84. We just talked about Jake Gensel for a good 25 minutes. I hope everybody enjoyed that deep dive. And the sky is the limit for that kid. He, w- he was almost a point-per-game player. Well, he was a point-per-game player last year. And he would have ho- probably continued that throughout the season. But we talked a lot about Gensel. We have some 
some talk about Pittsburgh Penguins news here in this second segment. I mean, first and foremost, last week we talked about the firing of Jason Carmanos, the assistant general manager to Jim Rutherford, which left that spot completely vacant, but it was filled within a week. Patrick Alvin was named assistant general manager. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He is the Swedish native, has been the Penn's director of amateur scouting for the past four seasons, but he's been with the Pittsburgh Penguins for the past 14 seasons. So, Horat, what did you think when you saw the news that Patrick Alvin, again, hopefully I'm saying that right, I believe is you the are. new assistant GM? I believe you're saying it right. Uh, I was very unsurprised, for one. <laughs> I was I would have also been very unsurprised at Jason Bottero, like we had mentioned before. But this one makes just as much sense because he's already in the organization and has been forever. I didn't realize it was 14 years. But he's been here for a while. He was head scout, right? He was, the, yeah, the director of amateur scouting. Basically head scout. Okay. Because he was the one always doing the calls on the draft, um, which I had always figured to be Rutherford. And this year I finally paid attention to the draft. And it was Patrick Alvin making all of the calls. So... It makes sense that he's being pushed up into that position. I know him being put at being placed as assistant GM uh, had some more moving and shaking going around, and it was a lot of moves that a lot of people on social media seemed to like. So I don't know if you have those written down or what they were, but if uh, if you're curious, go find them because there were a lot of good moves that a lot of people were liking. I believe Jesse Marshall was talking about it, saying it was good moves all around. So quality, it's quality stuff you know quality management stuff that is let's be real sometimes boring as hell to talk about when it's not <laughs> when your team isn't a boys club it can be bo boring as hell to talk about because you're not throwing out names like yeah you know Sackick is our gm and <laughs> forsberg's doing scouting i know that's not true but i mean we brought back trevor daly i guess that's a little bit of a boys club ah, shit and mario is our owner but that being said <laughs> it's we all right, we have a boys club if you will it doesn't feel like one, though. You know what I mean? There are teams that you look at look at in this league, the Kings are a good one, that look as definitely like a boys club because they keep hiring these former players um, and people that made uh, the Kings great on the ice. But now you're, now you're stuck in a rut of, you just keep hiring players. Get out of it. Find the right players that want to be in management. Like how here we have Mario as an owner, stepped up to save the team so yes he was still playing and owning so that's definitely a boys club-esque jim rutherford we forget played goalie for us a long time ago but let's be real he's not in the hall of fame for his play so oh. we, no offense jim you're in the hall of fame and that's a phenomenal thing wasn't for your play and past that you mentioned trevor daly tom kostopoulos is down in the management somewhere which is a name so, yeah, maybe we do have a bit of a boys club, but it just doesn't feel like one. There are other teams you look at that are hiring former players, and you definitely go, you shouldn't be doing that. There are definitely better candidates. You look at our club, if you will, and it's it has a different feel to it. It runs a little smoother. And that may just me being a little bit of a homer. I don't care. <laughs> it's my opinion on it. I think we run like a very well-oiled machine. And, damn it, we're still a winning team, and we're still a winning organization. And it's every hire is a it's always a good call. That's the thing. We don't ever it's very rare we make a hire and you see people go, "Why are we doing that?" Cuz we have seen that around the league. Yeah, there's definitely been some questionable decision making 
in the part of some front offices this offseason, and I'm not going to say who or which desert they're from, but as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins and this hire is concerned, I mean, Alvin is responsible. You mentioned the draft, which, yes, he has been very good in the draft, and it's kind of boring for him because how many draft picks has he really had to make? So... The fact that any of them, if any of them turn out, he's not working with too much there. And it's been a while since any of them have made, or it's been a while since he's called a draft pick or we have made a draft pick and they've reached the NHL yet. It's been a while. I mean, we're going to talk about somebody who could be doing that pretty soon in a little bit. But I mean, when you look at the influence that he has had, not even with the draft, but far away from that, he's partially responsible for this wave of Scandinavian born players who have been signed and also drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, Yuso Rikola, who is probably one of the best defensemen to never play. And then you have Emil Larmy, who is now our third goaltender in the organization after just a season in the organization. And then, of course, as I mentioned and you mentioned in the draft, you have Callie Klang, you have Joel Blomqvist. So this rush of Scandinavian players to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization is partially due to Patrick Alvin. So the fact that now he's getting that bump, he's getting that recognition. Hey, you're the assistant general manager. Now you're the only assistant general manager. Now that's a very important thing for Patrick Alvin. So congratulations to him. Those last two names that I mentioned there, Callie Klang and Joel Blomqvist. The two, two of the Penguins draft picks, the two, two goaltenders. Shows, yeah. Some news this past week for Callie Klang he was named to the Swedish World Junior Championship roster. So there's somebody. He's one of three goaltenders on the roster, though. So who knows whether or not he gets the start there or if he even makes it out of camp there. He's currently on the roster for training camp with Team Sweden. But, I mean, the third-round pick of the Pens in this year's draft, it's nice to see a little bit of recognition for the Pittsburgh Penguins' newest draft picks. Remember the last time we had a Swedish goal? The Penguins organization had a Swedish goalie on the on the World Junior team. I do not. I'm sure you do. Philip Gustafsson. That's right. Supposed to be a very high, highly touted uh, goaltending prospect too. Who we traded to Ottawa for Derek Brassard, correct? Yes. Yeah, I I blocked that entire trade out of my memory. That's all right. That's so okay. I, I'm a little hazy on that. Uh, Derek Broussard, uh, did he? I don't know if he came, did he go to Vegas or here. You mean I that know. Islander who's really good right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it's the same guy that was on the Islanders that was really good. That was also really good when he was on the Rangers. Okay, I digress. But I mean, it's good for Cali Klang. Congratulations to him. Hopefully he makes the team, and hopefully we get to watch him in the World Juniors, which is coming up here in about a month. But as you mentioned when I brought this up, you said, well, it's not fair to bring one up without mentioning how the other guy's doing. Joel Blomqvist, who got picked in the second round in the 2020 draft. Right now, he's currently 1-2-2 two, and two in five games with Hermes Kokola. I think I am not saying that right. That one I know I'm not saying right. It's K-O-K-K-O-L-A. So it's either Kokola or Kokola, and either way, it's not sounding good. I but uh, I think might in be this cuckoo, second tier honestly. finish league. What? Might be cuckoo, honestly. I don't know. Cuckoo la? I think LA is just separate. I don't know exactly. That being oh. said, uh, hey, he's playing in Finland, correct? Correct. He yeah, he's, he's playing, playing on in the second. He's playing in Finland. Finland. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and given he was the higher draft pick of the two goalies that we decided to choose in a row. But, uh, hey, you know what? You got when you trade away your number one, you gotta rebuild somewhere. 
and we also didn't get Tokarski back in Wilkes-Barre. But um, it, it might be a little bit of time before these guys cross the ocean, but I, hey, if one's going on to be on the World Junior team and what should be a really good World Junior team in Sweden, actually. Sweden's got a very young, good, young crop of guys that um, are going to be the future of the NHL, to say the least. Uh, those Scandinavian countries are starting to really show themselves as hockey players. And uh, Blomquist is someone just to keep an eye on because it's another goalie in the organization that you just it's fun watching all of the growth through goalies because they are the weirdest position in sports when it comes to trying to predict anything you just shouldn't. So I'm not even gonna say yeah they'll be they'll be over next year they'll be playing on you know in the A or the E. I'm not doing all that. I'm just saying mm-hmm. give them time to grow. One, two, and two isn't the greatest, but it's Finland, and he's young. Uh, and I believe it's one of the better leagues in Finland, too. Yeah, so. he's on the second the second best league in Finland right now. Yeah, and that's nothing to scoff at. Both kids probably have a bright future. Whether or not it's with the Penguins, yet to be seen, because we're very trade-happy with goalies sometimes. Especially ones sometimes. That, especially ones that we've never seen play, considering Gustafsson was shipped out for you know Derek Broussard. Uh, somehow stop bringing it up yes yeah, somehow <laughs> this conversation about our two junior goalies turned into reminiscing on a a fun trade awful, <laughs> awful trade no not fun how was that fun i mean it was fun the it, day was, it happened and it, then was, it was it was fun because over. of all the details that had happened because we had to ship uh ian cole to ottawa as well but then they refused to sign his uh, transfer papers into the country so he had to go to columbus there was so much drama with that trade honestly it sucks it didn't work out for us yeah well, it, it also sucks losing somebody like ian cole i was always yep. i was always very upset that we let a player like ian cole go so before we move on to probably one of the saddest mailbag segments but anybody has ever question. done but a phenomenal With, it, question. It, oh, it was a, fun, a great question. The question that we got was a absolute banger of a question, but it was the only question. But before we go into that, of course, I was looking at the other World Junior rosters, and uh, Sam Poulan was invited to Canadian World Junior Championship camp. So we mentioned a lot about Poulan last week about, well, he's in the queue right now. If you know December rolls around and we're doing training camp, do you bring him? Well, clearly not now if he's going to play in World Juniors. So, but that's also a higher level of competition. So, again, a lot of experience for young Sam Poulan before the NHL season is even going to get to start. One of our draft picks also was not uh, Kleiner or Blomquist. The forward we drafted from, I have it in my notes here somewhere. Uh, oh boy, the hard one to name, Sveshovsky. Svechkovsky. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I believe he was invited to the Czech World Junior Team camp. So uh, we might have some. We might have some. Finally, have some penguin uh, recognition in the World Juniors. That usually doesn't happen. Yeah, usually it doesn't. So we'll keep we'll yeah. keep an eye on that. And of course, we'll let you guys know once we get closer to World Juniors about who's made the team, who's actually going to play. We'll we'll deep dive into that once the calendar flips to December. But I wanted to just mention really quickly that about Sam Poulin. We talked about him a lot last week. Figured I would throw that in there. But before we get into our mail bag segment, one more thing. Happy November, everybody. Of course, November is this month. And millions of men will be growing out mustaches to raise awareness for men's health issues, including prostate and testicular cancer. Horwat, are you going to try and grow out the stash? 
No. Um, I, no? It was, I understand it's for a great cause, and I recognize the great cause that it is. But, oh, my God, no. You, me growing out facial hair? You guys well, you could draw it on with, like, a Sharpie or something. You guys don't want to see that until I'm fully mature, okay? <laughs> 23 years old. I'm not fully matured when it comes to facial hair. It sucks. <laughs> we'll see. I haven't shaved quite yet, but we'll see if I can actually grow enough to get a Movember stash going. But it is Movember, so we here at the tip of the iceberg want to remind you to just save the balls and also shave the balls with Manscaped. Use code THPN at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. You can always take that 20% you saved on the best ball trimmer in the world, and you can donate that to the Movember movement. So happy Movember, everybody. I already see a couple of pretty good stashes on social media. Let's keep the ball rolling. Uh, we are not sponsored by Movember, but we are sponsored by Manscaped. So like I said, use code THPN at manscaped.com. So let's get into our mailbag segment. Like I said, just one question. It comes from Twitter at MeganFitz24, who is, of course, your girlfriend, Megan Fitzsimmons, gives us this great question. If we were going to have one question, I'm happy it was this one. Which former Pens player, only one, would fit best with our current current roster? Excuse me. Horrod, I'll let you lead it off. Uh, so first of all, I'd like to say that this really isn't so much a mailbag segment as it is a, hey, we got a nice question. We're going to roll with it. But, And also, I may have taken a little liberty and doing one forward and one defenseman, but I'm going to just pick one and leave the other one a secret. If anybody wants to know, ask me and I'll tell you. Uh, but I'm going to go with the forward selection because I didn't want it to be obvious. I didn't want it to be, oh, Mario, Yager. No shit. Those guys would be great on this team. But I wanted to dig a little deeper and take a different turn uh, and say, Alexei Kovalev. Uh, obviously, we are fans of Kovi on this show. <laughs> But the way, and I'd stick him with Malkin. I would, and by the way, whenever I say Kovalev, I do not mean the return of Kovalev. I don't mean his final year in the in the league. I mean his prime when he played in the early 2000s here. Uh, sticking him with or uh, Malkin, and I see the look you're giving me already. You hate it, probably. Uh, the dude could snipe, and I just want to hear what you got to say. You're giving me great faces here. What's your, what's what's up? Did you hack into my secondary notes for this show? Should I just, like, give my other answer? Is that <laughs> no, what... no, I mean, no, f- finish with Kovalev, but that that was the exact one that I thought of. And I, for the exact same thing, I said, put him with Gino, let him go to work. But continue Word. what you're saying about Kovalev. Uh, beautiful. Okay. Uh, he can snipe. He's a phenomenal skater. And obviously we saw what he can do in a generation that was not not the old generation, like Pierre LaRouche years when the game was way different, but it's also not as new and, you know, fast as it is today. So he played in a good middle ground, the dead puck era, basically. He played in that middle ground and was able to score in the dead puck era. Imagine what prime Kovalev, and I feel like, yeah, prime Kovalev may have been with a different team, but the Penguins, the the Kovalev the Penguins got was still a very, very good Kovalev. And watching him perform with Malkin on a you know on the four, on the 5 on 5 and then maybe watching him play with both of them on a power play did we give it a shot at the wrong time of Kovalev's career yes we don't talk about that but um, adding the prime Kovalev into the current Crosby and Malkin iteration it sounds like a very very fun idea and 
that puck's not stopping moving around the ice. <laughs> it's not staying on anyone's stick for more than twenty sec for more than two seconds. Yeah, and, and for all the reasons that you put, literally at least five of the points that you mentioned were written right in front of me on my personal notes for this show. But I mean, he had such great hands. His hands were fantastic. And as you mentioned, and as is the second note on my list here, not the Kovalev that came back and played five games with us in the mid 2010s or in the early 2010s, but, but the one that was with us, you know, penguin pigeon logo on his chest and everything like that. It was a great question. Great minds think alike. And, and for the sake of uh, difference and, and spontaneity, Horwat, what was your other one while, while we're, we're discussing this? Uh, Darius Kasparitis. <laughs> Cass? He was my fun. defensive pick. Just to because wait, he wasn't a defenseman, was he? Yeah, he was. Oh, oh yeah, I... he was. Darius Casper is absolutely a defenseman. Um, I chose Casper because oh, I mean it's not that we don't have a wrecking ball on this team, but holy shit, Darius Casper is would rip your head off and also play very sound defensively, which we have. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but our defense is so weird and disliked by so many people. I feel like if we can at least say, hey, we have someone on all three lines that someone can like, would be awesome. I'm not saying he'd be in there for Matheson or CeCe. I'm not saying I'd even put Kovalev on the third line. I'm saying adding Kovalev, Kasparaitis. I'm saying if you stick Kasparaitis into this defensive lineup, he probably goes in Pedersen's spot. I, I mean, I don't know which side of the ice he played on. I don't remember. But that immediately puts Pedersen onto the third, pushing off CeCe or... Matheson and uh, eff effectively taking CC off the team, guys. Thinking with my noggin here. There you go. And, and I mean, I guess since we had the same one, I'll, I'll give a second one, and I'll give a defensive guy too. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, Ian Cole. I've, I mean, I know I'm not reaching too far back into the bag for him, but I love having Ian Cole on those 2016 and 17 Stanley Cup champion teams. He plays really well for the Colorado Avalanche right yeah. now. Talk about a guy that eats pucks for a living. The dude blocks shots every game, at least two or three every game. You know he's good for that. You know he's good positionally on his in his own zone. And he's pretty good for a, a bone-crushing hit from time to time, too. I loved watching Ian Cole as a Pittsburgh Penguin. You know, fear, fear the beard. It's kind of instilled in Pittsburgh's mind from Brett Kiesel. But you feared the beard of Ian Cole, too, in 2016 and 17. And he was a big part of why the Penguins went back-to-back. Absolutely, and someone wrote, I think it was Josh Yowie, wrote somewhere that Ian Cole should still be on this team. He should be, and if it wasn't be. for that stupid trade. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that I chose two guys from that kind of play. They played together, I'm pretty sure, in that same era same of era. early, early 2000s Penguins, So, which was a damn good team right before everything hit the wall. <laughs> that team went a couple times, were very far in the playoffs. Uh, and could have been a cup contender had it not been for some issues. But you know what? Imagine that cup team. Imagine that team winning a cup, though. Kovalev, that would have been so much fun. Kovalev, Kasparitis, the return of Mario. Now, I would have been... I'm I'm, I'm going to irritate a lot of our older listeners here, but I would have been six years old at the time, or would it be... It was 2002. Yeah, about si between six and eight years old at the time. So it would have been a lot of fun, you know, chugging my my chocolate milk and and being happy and celebrating a pittsburgh penguin stanley cup we would have been young maybe Very not young. old enough to remember but at least old enough to know what happened and to have feelings of it yeah
So thank you to Megan again for submitting that question. You were our saving grace this week as that was the only question. I mean, we did go against a pretty big event in U.S. history, I, I, I guess. So it's fair to say that the, all eyes weren't really on our Twitter feed this week. But as we move along here, we still have our pens poll and our shout outs and call outs. But before that, of course, we have our weekly Hockey Podcast Network show advertisement. This week, we have an advertisement of the Fourth Line Voice. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colton Orr. That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice podcast wherever you find your podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. Yeah, he would uh, be at the bar and... He's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would, like, give a double take. and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I, it's not bad. You know, this Enforcer-based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. As I've said several times on the show, this is episode 84. Episode Antonio Brown? Question mark? The return. <laughs> Yeah, let's not get into that too much. It might come up in our shout-outs and call-outs. But before we even get to that, let's talk about our Pens poll, which I stupidly only put for 24 hours this week. It was a good Pens poll, too. I was pretty excited to see people's responses. We got a pretty good response in that one day that it was up on Twitter. The question was, which of these would you most like to see next season? Jake Gensel scoring 50 goals as we talked about him earlier on the show. That came in first with 29% of the vote. Crosby scores 100 points and Yager jersey retirement tied for second with 26% each. And Jari wins Vesna comes in last with 19%. So a very closely contested contest here in our Pens poll. Unfortunately, it was only one day. If it was longer, it might have come out a little bit more lopsided. Horal, what did you think of this? And which one did you decide? Uh, I feel like... Only one of these is possible, possible, uh, and that's uh, Jari winning the Vesna. Um, we're not going to have enough games for Gensel to hit 50, as awesome as it would be. We're probably not going to have enough games for Crosby to hit 100, which, but if he did, holy hell, um, McDavid can get back to the car seat. <laughs> and uh, Yager is still playing, I think, so. <laughs> and we're waiting for him to officially, officially, officially retire from every league in the in the world <laughs> so uh, that one might so, be the most plausible but yeah. the most possible might be jar winning the vesna because um nhl voters are stupid and i think <laughs> jari got a vesna vote not for one or two or anything like that but i think they dipped dipped down to like your top five i think he got a fifth place vote if i am remembering stuff correctly i i didn't see that that like you said, NHL writers sometimes vote in very weird ways. <laughs> to me personally, I would most like to see Jake Gensel score 50 goals. I would most like to see that too, but it's just a matter of... I'm t I took realism into my answer, I guess I should say. Listen, I'm 
operating under the belief that there's going to be an 82 game season until I see that it is not until it comes out in a news briefing that it is not an 82 game season. I'm moving on as if it's going to be one. Now, realistically, as you said, not going to happen. There's no realistic way in any sense of the word that it's going to be 82. But considering we don't know if it's going to be 48 games, 60 games, 50 games, 55 all of these are really weird to talk about and project. So I'm projecting as far as 82 games. And if we have to take those projections that we make and condense them into whatever it would be in 48 or whatever, once it comes out, that's when I'll start talking about that. But as of right now, to me, 82 game season is the latest word from the NHL. I know it's not believable, but that's what I'm going with. I'd like to see Gensel score 50 goals. Yes, I'd like to see all of these oh, things absolutely. happen. absolutely any of these happening would be great. I'd love to see a Yager jersey retirement, but I think next season I don't want to see it because I want to see that in front of a packed house. Ooh, I don't make... necessarily think that there's going to be a packed house next year. Make a great point. So, yes, I want to see the Yager jersey retirement. Let's push it off to 21-22 because maybe by then we'll be able to have 17,000 plus at PPG Paints Arena. Crosby scoring 100 points would be fantastic. It'd be amazing. But again, Gensel hitting that 50 goal mark for all the reasons I stated at the beginning of the show, we need to get some national respect for Jake Gensel. And that would certainly do it and would certainly stamp his name in to team USA for 2022. His name should already be stamped in, but yes, you're definitely right about that. I exactly. I mean, we, we mentioned that earlier, but at the same time, I feel like that would cement it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's a better way to put it, right? Yeah. We have one segment left. Shout outs and call outs, so let's head over to that right now. You know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout. The officiating was awful. They were just terrible. They were ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction? He's a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Shoutouts and call-outs brought to you by CoolHockey.com. Use promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey, Horwat. Let's start with let's start with shoutouts this week, shall we? Uh, all right, cool shoutouts. So we all know this week, election day turned into election week. Um, and no matter who you voted for, whether or not it was quote-unquote legal or not, your vote got counted. And you want to know who counted that vote? Uh, a man who got maybe four hours of sleep all week and that is msnbc's big board worker steve karnacki who was my shout out this week for all of the damn work he did in front of that screen um getting zero sleep at one point i think rachel maddow said running off of diet coke little sleep and adrenaline we're going back to the board i would fall asleep you know with election stuff on um, Watt with Karnacki on and wake up and he'd still be there and I would be damn impressed <laughs> because not only are you not leaving the studio um, I don't know how much time he had to sit because he was just going back and forth between getting numbers putting them up on the board doing math for us on national television <laughs> honestly in some cases probably international television because we know the world was watching um, the biggest fear for a, someone like us who was a journalism you know, in broadcast people was do just forcibly doing math with the country watching you. Um, no, thank you. Steve Karnacki is a legend for it. Uh, and 
he found himself trending a couple of times throughout the week. I was upset that SNL decided to go with John King as their little um, reenactment of it. Uh, it was still really funny. I remember I was texting people. I was like, I can't wait to see Alex Moffat as, as Steve Kornacki on <laughs> SNL this weekend. But either way, Steve Kornacki, uh, what a guy, what a legend. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting to see him again in four years. And as you mentioned, and just to go off of yours, this isn't my shout out. I have a, I have a separate one because I knew this is what you were going to go with. Yeah. I was literally what you just mentioned. John King of CNN. He was all over the place. He was working oh. the big board. He was talking numbers and projections for basically four or five straight days. And Day um, Kornacki was, was doing the exact same thing. And then also working with multiple anchors. I mean, both of these guys were impressive. To be completely honest... We need to shout out all of the journalists and broadcasters who covered that. I mean, that was a marathon of an election. I'm sure our friends to the north, whether it be our hosts from the Hockey Podcast Network in Canada or any of our Canadian listeners were were looking down on it with, with popcorn and enjoying the show. I don't know. Maybe they were a little nervous as well, but it, it was a it was a marathon. And, and really, we need to shout out all of the journalists and broadcasters. And I know you feel the same exact yeah. way. I mean, to be completely honest, I switched between... ABC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, really throughout the week just to be able to sift out the bullcrap, which is what you have to do in American news now. But all of these these journalists were really exceptional, and they all did a very, very good job covering, which was something that has never happened. No. It is it has never happened, and it probably never will happen again. Well, you should so, not. That really, honestly. So shout out to all of them for sure. Big shout out the whole week. Uh, I have never once been a political person, but this week mm -hmm. I'm sitting in front of my TV, still not a super political person, but just enjoying how phenomenal almost everyone's being. I have one gripe with one person I'm not going to call out because, mm -hmm. you know, they seemed like they were new to it still. Uh, and they also had to be in Philadelphia. I think I'd be a little, oh. I think I'd be a little nervous too. If I had to stand on a Philadelphia street reporting, <laughs> Um, but, but also just, um, and also quick shout out to the, oh God, 100 and damn near 50 million people who voted. Uh, that's a lot, man. Yeah. That's, it is the most people in this century at the very least that have voted. Joe Biden won with the most votes for a ballot ever, which is, I mean, it's a testament to people who voted for both sides. It was nice to see that people actually went out and they voted and they voted in spades. And there were so many people that voted in this election. So that was way amazing to, to see. Way to go, America. Well, very long shout out. Seb. I mean, this is just your shout out. Let's get, yeah, let's get, get to mine. It's a little lighthearted. I'm not the biggest fan when it comes to politics. So I'm going to take it away from politics for a little bit here. My shout out this week goes to Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, Mike Tallman. With his win last week over the Baltimore Ravens, he passed the legendary Tony Dungy for the most wins by an African-American head coach in NFL history. He has 140 wins with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's had a fantastic career, and he's just getting started. Right now, as they're playing the Dallas Cowboys as we record this, the Steelers are 7-0. Right now, they're down 19-15 to with about seven minutes left. But they're driving, so hopefully they can pull it out. Uh, but he is, Tomlin, I mean, one win away this season 
from going 14 full seasons as Steelers head coach without a losing record. That is an impressive feat, no matter what way you spin it. Mike Tomlin, one of the best head coaches in the NFL. I think last season was way more impressive than what he's putting together this season. Without Ben Roethlisberger last year, to still not have a losing season with the likes of Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. He is a hell of a coach. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he's going to go down as one of the best coaches in NFL history if he can get another Super Bowl. So we'll stay tuned for that. Right now we're staying tuned to, to Steelers versus Cowboys. Hopefully they pull it out. But let's move over to call-outs, Horwat, unless you have anything to say about Tomlin. Um, not much to say about Tomlin. I forgot We forgot to mention that. I wanted to say this at the beginning, uh, a quick shout-out. I didn't want to put it in this segment because this man deserves his own whole segment. Uh, the day we record this, the world lost a damn legend in Alex Trebek, a Canadian legend nonetheless. Um, so... I guess just a quick moment of reflection on a, hey, uh, Alex Trebek is one of the greatest to ever do his job and the greatest to ever do anything ever. Um, mm-hmm. He'll be missed. I, it came as a shock quickly because everyone's, everything seemed okay for a little while. But I got a text from my boss. I wasn't at work this morning, but yeah, I got a text from my boss and it shook and changed the whole morning for me. So there's that. He'll be missed. And if you have anything else to say, then we can go to our call outs and move on. Uh, I mean, you said it perfectly there, uh, a legend, a a leader, uh, a guy that we invited into our homes, millions of people invited into their homes. Uh, you mentioned it, it all seemed like it was going better for, for Alex Trebek. We're still going to get new episodes of Jeopardy for the next, I believe it's either the rest of this month or, or the rest of the calendar year. I don't remember how many they had uh, Backlogged? filmed and backed up, huh. but that's interesting. I didn't know they had that. <laughs> Rest easy, yeah. Alex Trebek. He, he was fighting for a long time, so he, hopefully he's at peace now. And let, with that, let's move over to our call-outs. Kind of a, a hard right turn here to end off the episode. Horwat, would you like to start us off with call-outs? Yeah, and yeah, it's a hard right turn into call-outs, but mine's still a fun call-out. I want to call out anyone who thinks Christmas season starts after Halloween, because it doesn't. Um, this is Thanksgiving season. <laughs> it's put some respect back on thanksgiving's name if if you have your christmas tree up i am politely not accepting your invite to thanksgiving <laughs> i'm gonna leave it at that you're i don't have much else politefully i'm gonna politefully say i'm not coming to your thanksgiving <laughs> dinner um you mean politely oh shit you know what listen <laughs> i'm tired we had an emotional shout out <laughs> We did. We had a very long yes. shout out and and a very emotional shout out. I, I just wanted to, you know, just throw you under the bus. It's there okay, a bit. and I'm very passionate about my call out, though. I will say that it's it's a fun call out to say the least, but I'm passionate about it. The fact that there were Christmas trees up for sale before Halloween, it it upset me, man. I yeah. love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas too. Don't get me wrong, but you can start celebrating Thanksgiving or start celebrating Christmas on November 27th this year right? on november 27th this year that that's that's when you're allowing people to do that for a while yes from that okay. point on because i'll be doing the same thing i'm all Fair i am all for putting up your christmas tree the day after thanksgiving that's okay. fine well no free ads but i was at firehouse subs a little earlier today they have their christmas stuff up in the window but they also still have pumpkins and hay bales in in front of the in front of the store so they haven't even gotten their halloween stuff out of there and they already have their Christmas stuff up. So I, I get what you're you're saying. 
I'm not a fan of putting up Christmas stuff at the beginning of November. Not to say that I don't like Christmas. It's, yep, not saying Not that. really the biggest fan of Thanksgiving too much, but, I mean, the food is great and it's it's a fun day. So let, let's give it its due, I guess. Absolutely. Give it its due. Well, well before we go on to my call out to end the show, would you rather have Canadian Thanksgiving? at the be- Like, the when it is, at least. Would you rather have it at the beginning of October? No, I, I like where it is. It's a good spot because it is. I agree. It's, I mean, there's a lot of, like, reasoning for the placement of holidays. And Thanksgiving, I believe, is one of them. I think they said we're going to put it late in November because things start to get dark and dreary early. I mean, <laughs> it's dark here at 5 o'clock. It's dark here right now. It, it's been dark here for two hours. Um, so you need some sort of happiness and joy and joy in your days and that's actually also why christmas is on the like around the winter solstice because it's the shortest darkest coldest day of the year uh and they said we're gonna put and i don't know who said this you know this was a long ass time ago but that's why christmas is placed there because there really weren't calendars when, when jesus was born and all that there's like beliefs and all that put around that Jesus was actually born in like April. So, uh, Hey, I'm not here to get political religious or any of all that stuff, but Hey, uh, holidays are placed where they are for reasons, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but Thanksgiving being placed where it is, is perfect. Well, I guess we can say that that was our, our Sunday school. Cause we are recording this on a Sunday, but, uh, well, like, those... thank, thank you for coming to my Ted talk. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There's your TED Talk on holidays at the end of the year. I mean, the way, to me, the reason it's that way is because October, Halloween, November, Thanksgiving, December, Christmas, that's pretty easy. And that makes the most sense. That may, it, it makes it pretty easy. But uh, as you said, we're not here to get political, religious, or any of the above, but my call-out is actually political. Okay. So the my call-out goes to the DJ or whoever made the playlist at Joe Biden's acceptance speech. Now, <laughs> I do like the playlist that he played during the fireworks. You know, you got a little Hall and Oates in there. You got some Tina Turner, some Coldplay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris came out to Mary J. Blige. So, of course, you know, all of that was great. But they missed a really big opportunity for Joe Biden. Oh, no. You oh, saw no. him jogging at it. It almost felt like a wrestler. Like, it, it felt like a professional wrestler d- to me. I mean, that's that's exactly how it felt to me. It, it, him jogging out there. And... The song that I wanted to hear, the song that in my mind that I heard. Oh, I gotta know which you, one this is. You have to know which one it is, and I'll play it for you. Come on, you can't tell me this wouldn't have been great. And Biden Mania is gonna run. <laughs> what, every, what he said now. And then you just hear somebody on the loudspeaker introducing your president elect, Joe Biden. And Biden mania is gonna run wild. Is that what he? Is that what Hulk said? I forget. Yeah, that. he said Hulk mania. So yeah. he said Biden mania run wild on. What you gonna do, brother? What? I, I mean, I can't complain too much because he did walk out to a Bruce Springsteen song. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that is probably just, if not way more American than the Hulk Hogan theme song from the WWF. But in my mind, that's what was playing, and they missed a really big opportunity it's awesome i i wasn't expecting joe to do that jog either i was oh no dying he's just saying that's for everybody that says he is not in good health he's like look at me 
I could I could do a little jog right here. I can jog. He's looking good. I can jog with my mask on. Now so should everyone else. <laughs> ah, there you go. That you, you made it even more political than I did. I was just wearing a mask music, is not man. political. I'm not going into another TED talk. We are yeah, that's wrapping true. this up. <laughs> I completely agree. I think that that's a good place to end it. And uh, I think this week was a, it was a good week. We talked about Jake Gensel. We talked about the new assistant general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So if you have any last words before we, we let the listeners go for what, here's your chance. Uh, thank you to the one, one and a half million of, no, not one and a half, 150 million of you that voted this week. What, whether it's by mail in person or however, uh, and whoever you, who voted, whoever you voted for, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. Um, I'm here. I always say, just vote for whoever you believe is right. And, know what you're doing know who you're voting for know what you're voting for and you all did it this this week damn it a lot of times you know you look at election results and you go there's way more people in the country than that what's going on here uh but this time around things changed people voted voices were heard uh it was the first time i ever voted in a presidential election i will say that Uh, i was not registered last time around because of an issue um but First time I ever voted in a presidential election, and I'm not going to say I felt something for it. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, I felt patriotic doing I just felt like I did what I had to do, which is how you should feel. And you know what? Things changed, and things might keep changing. Yeah. Voting is your civic duty, and really it's, a, it's an honor to be able to have a vote. So, uh, again, I'm echoing your sentiment there. Thank you to everybody that went out and voted. Thank you to everybody that tuned in this week. We'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.